0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer is launching a new podcast from the guys who brought you a family barbecue called Baseball Barbecue. Hosted by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman, they're bringing you the good, the bad, and the utterly bizarre corners of the baseball world and everything that makes it special. Throughout the offseason, they'll dive into the rabbit hole on some of their favorite fascinations from the home run derby to baseball brawls and much more. Once the season returns, they'll break down the latest MLB news and developments. You can subscribe to Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me this Tuesday, as he does every Tuesday, is Kevin O'Connor from the ringer.com, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin and Kevin
0: Burno. What's going on, buddy?
1: Well, we have had a lot of news since we last spoke. It does seem uh, like it will not be too terribly long before. I think we'll probably get news of a plan that is being instituted. We started to see some more sports come back this past weekend. Golf came back, NASCAR came back, and it seems like a lot of the professional leagues are putting their plans together uh, as we speak. And, and you know, you heard from the governor of California yesterday, the governor from New York yesterday. And so it seems like I think we might be in the home stretch, at least to, you know, a date where they're going to start some kind of truncated training camp and uh, and then get whatever they're going to get underway. Aren't you feeling aren't you feeling we're heading that way pretty fast?
0: Yeah, Uh, you know, it's interesting that New York and California, which obviously have multiple teams, are moving in that direction to having, you know, or, or being open to having games without fans. And that's because, you know, we've had all this talk about the possibility of a neutral site hosting games. Disney World or Las Vegas, or other places that are in discussion. Maybe multiple neutral sites. But what could still happen is what baseball is going to do, what the NFL is going to do, or what they want to do, and that's having teams play in their home arenas. And that remains a possibility for the NBA. That has not been taken off the table. And as more states say they are open to having professional sports games without fans that possibility from the ex- conversations I've had with executives only seems like a more of a real possibility. And whether that happens for the summer for finishing this season or whether it ends up being next season, uh, that's something just to keep in mind that we de- net won't necessarily have some sort of neutral site bubble here. Really? Teams could still be traveling.
1: Wow. I I totally expected a neutral site bubble, but you are hearing that there's a real possibility these could be in home arenas
0: look I, like, like I said it, it's all still on the table yeah like, right the NBA the NBA look the safest option the safest option here is clearly a neutral site because it can be more controlled by introducing flights and drivers you know the pilots the drivers there's there's like more risk by going to hotels there's more risk you're taking on more risk if teams are traveling and that's what the what MLB and NFL, And other leagues could potentially be doing. And the NBA, maybe they'll go down that path too. It remains to be seen. But my only point is as more states do open up, it only naturally seems like that possibility would only increase.
1: Hmm. All right, let's get to the next story, which is Tim Bontemps uh, reported yesterday that the NBA's draft lottery, and I know you are going to be doing a live IG chat as we record this on Tuesday morning. You're doing one this afternoon at, three central four eastern is that right
0: yep four eastern one pacific
1: okay uh the nba's draft lottery uh won't take place tuesday in chicago as originally planned but whenever it does happen uh it does look like uh like the same as it did last year Since play was suspended March 11th due to the coronavirus pandemic, teams at the top of the standings have been curious about the league restarting because they are in pursuit of a championship. From the teams from the bottom, the focus has been on what the lottery is going to look like. Although some will inevitably grumble about the order being determined by an incomplete regular season, the belief among several executives is that the lottery is going to remain the same as scheduled before the pandemic. I wouldn't expect things to change, one executive with a lottery-bound team said. Executives brought up several potential reasons that the lottery wouldn't be tweaked because of the unusual circumstance in which the league finds it. One is the fact that every team in the league has played somewhere between 63 and 67 games, more than 75% of its season, a representative sample. Did you think that they were going to, I guess I didn't, I haven't really thought about this all that much. Um, You know, I was reading this story yesterday about the NHL playing it out with just 24 of their teams and i had wondered aloud if you know if if there were going to be le- if all the teams were going to be involved whenever the nba uh comes back but i guess just whatever the standings look like at the end of whatever they try to complete and i don't know i guess a couple of weeks ago i thought there was no chance they'd try to complete the regular season and now it seems like that's at least significantly on the table that they would actually try to finish the season too then you wouldn't have to worry about it at all but I don't know. Had you thought about the lottery and what they were going to do with this?
0: I mean, we'll see. I, again, like I hate to be that guy, but everything's on the table and nothing's yeah. been decided here. Uh it is possible that they lock the standings and that's it. That this is what it's going to be as it is today. And by the way, today would have been the NBA Draft Lottery. Uh, I'm I'm missing being in Chicago. I'm missing having a deep dish pizza. I'm missing being locked in that lottery room and seeing the reactions like I was last year for the the first time. And I'm missing seeing the disappointment from fans who inevitably lose the lottery. (laughs) Granted, there's no Zion level prize this year in the draft. um, But I'm a little disappointed waking up this morning and not having the lottery. And we'll see what ends up happening. You mentioned the NHL. It is fascinating that they had a proposal for a 24-team playoff up from 16 teams being the norm in the NHL like it is for the NBA. That, as far as I know, doesn't seem to be a distinct possibility for the NBA. But again, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening because I'm really intrigued by the idea of an expanded playoff system uh, considering everything. It's like we talked about a bunch of times, Chris. It would be really cool to see the league experiment here, considering the circumstances.
1: And I know, look, you would be absolutely crushed not to get to see Larry Nance playing for the Cavs uh, oh, for the my. rest of the season. You know, oh, I mean, geez,
0: they'd be horrible. Them,
1: them I mean, not playing again would just be absolutely awful.
0: I mean, I got to see those those big lineups. Larry Nance at the three seventy four minutes of the season. I'll stop now.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, so Tillman Fertitta. The Rockets owner is one of the voices that we have on this. Now, he was actually uh, meeting uh, with the president because of his role as a restaurateur, um, but President Trump did ask him about sports stuff, uh, saying and in, in front of the group of uh, selected people there that he's the owner of the Rockets, and he said, will you finish the season or not? And he said, I think there's talk about finishing the season, playing X number of games The players need to get paid, and right now they're taking a 25% pay cut. They own 50% of our revenue, unlike the other sports. And so they want that revenue, even if it's not the people in the stands revenue, so that they can get paid. Um, He said, I think that we would play some games just to get it going and create interest and then go right into the playoffs, but I think it'll be great for America. We're all missing sports, and everybody wants to see those great teams in the NBA. And so not a lot of specifics from Tillman Fertitta, but at least there is somebody who is privy to those meetings and at least his view on it. And so it does sound like, I don't know, most of the things you gauge from the last week and a half are not that there will be a just jump straight into the playoffs, but rather whether they're finishing out the whole thing or they're finishing out by playing 10 games or whatever is the amount of games uh, before you get to the playoffs, it seems like that's what the plan will probably look like right
0: well that that's what i reported three weeks ago that is the plan but it doesn't mean that's the plan they're going to end up going with because sure. we we don't know what it's going to end up looking like whenever it comes to whenever it comes to playing games you very well might make that your initial plan but then have to change course depending on what testing looks like if there's an outbreak within within a team or something like that but Certainly, as Fertita said, as, as, you know, as we've been discussing, it does seem that the NBA's number one intentions are to complete as much of the regular season as they possibly can, which is why with the lottery standings, it's still really too soon to, to really say. Because if you, if teams are able to play 10 more regular season games and get to 73, 75 total games played, realistically, then the lottery standings would change. Because you're not going to lock it after just 63 games if you can play 10 more games. That wouldn't really make any sense. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what happens over time. But it is encouraging to have one of the 30 team owners continuing to suggest publicly saying that the intentions are to play X number of games in the regular season. And hopefully they can do it safely.
1: That was clearly not the most interesting thing that took place in that, though. (laughs) Uh, Fertitta said, I should have realized that it was going to be a bad year for China when my general manager tweeted out, Uh, you know, freedom for Hong Kong. That started uh, my year. Trump told Fertitta that Moray... Did cause you a little ruckus and asked if More still works for the Rockets. Um, of course, Fertita said yes. When Fertita answered affirmatively about More's appointment, Trump quipped, He must be pretty good. Replied, Fertita, It's a trick question, but he
0: is. Oh, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> uh, I, when I saw a- that clip tweeted out, I just couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth. I couldn't Hilarious. believe it, Chris. <laughs>
1: Hilarious question by Trump, though, honestly. Like he's like, oh, he must be pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just looking at it as a businessman. Yeah. And if I, I, I honestly think Donald Trump has no idea, right, like what a mess that all was, right? Like, and how much it got talked about. I mean, he's got he's got a whole bunch of other things going on that he's clearly uh worried about, including reporting on himself. Um but <laughs> The, and and whatever anybody's saying about him, much less about Daryl Morey. But so from his perspective, he, like if he didn't know that he just played the dummy, which is like, wait, this guy's still your general manager? Like, oh, he must be pretty good at what he does. And it it actually spoke a lot to, I think, anybody from outside the NBA. When yeah, I mean, we all realize that if Daryl Morey is not As good at his job as he is. Like, any other guy gets fired. It's just the way it is. Daryl Morey is great at his job. He's great at it. Um, And I'm going to say Morey a thousand times so that I get the tweets. Stop saying it, Morey.
0: I mean, I, I've been saying it to myself this entire time. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's worse: you saying Daryl Morey or me saying Jerry R- Reisendorf. <laughs> oh,
1: Reisendorf is a hundred times <laughs> worse. <away. laughs> I, mean, I I just use an alternate pronunciation. I don't put extra. I don't. I don't call him uh, Daryl Mobley. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> change his name. I don't change the guy's name.
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like where Reisendorf came from. I, I just, there's certain words that I read, <laughs> you know, like even, even like my whole life, I've always had a hard time with Brian Russell. In my head, the I see that B-R-Y-O-N and my head says Byron.
1: Oh, and, and you know what, you I know? defend you completely because it's it's bogus. That's that's not a that's not how you spell Brian. And uh, you forgive can spell me to, Brian
0: any way you want to. You could do B R I A N. You can do B R Y N. Why no, are you that, are you somebody who doesn't think you can have Brian spelt with a Y?
1: I think you can, but then it's A N. Why? Then it's it A N. No, it can't. Then everybody's gonna call you Byron because it does that, that's how it looks. When you read it, if you
0: you had a Y in your name, I would think that's a little different. If it was a Y instead of an I, I think that's a little different. I'd be like, oh, that's that's cool. Some flair from Chris's parents.
1: There's not Bryons everywhere. (laughs) What are you talking about, Kevin? Like, I mean, we shouldn't even be arguing about this. How many people have you met in your life named Brian that spell it B-R-Y-O-N?
0: He's the only
1: person you've ever heard of ever.
0: Maybe. With that spelling. if somebody says, Hi, my name's Brian, I don't think about oh, how do they spell their name? Either a Y or an I or an A or an O. I don't think that. I just think, oh, Because Brian. you just
1: because you figure they don't have some kind of incredibly goofy spelling.
0: <laughs> how are we arguing about spelling of names here? Because it's wrong. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. Not every name is John or Amanda or or Bob or Lucy. There's different spellings of names.
1: Bob
0: just a drive by shooting of me for no reason Kev just unbelievable
1: (laughs) but what if he spelled it B-O-B-B You'd well, think that's ridiculous. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would.
0: No, I wouldn't because I grew up loving Jimi Hendrix, J-I-M-I. And yes, you could say, oh, Jimi Hendrix can do that because he's Jimi Hendrix. Oh, my like, Kevin, stop. anybody could do that.
1: No, if your parents named you Kevin and it was K-E-V-U-N, that's stupid.
0: <laughs> oh. Yes, it <sighs> is.
1: Yes, it is stupid. All right, next, next story.
0: This is, this is why we're the mismatch. Because we organically argue about stupid because shit I've got, like this. Because I've got a, <laughs> because
1: I've got a brain. All before right. we before we move on, I got to point out that Moray is just your version of mum. That's it. That's my version. <laughs> we found it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah,
0: uh, never mind. A lot is of your, people around the world say mum. Chris is one of one. It says Moray.
1: <laughs> is your full name? Is your full name Robert? Yeah. Bob? Yeah. It, it is. is. Hmm. You're Robert Wagner. That was a famous actor, right? I am, yeah. And you changed it to a famous football player. Unbelievable. I know. I just had to make sure that I was never the first person to come up in the Google search. Wait, were you named Robert Wagner? Like, I mean, after Robert Wagner? No, no, no. Oh. I think it's just a coincidence. Oh, it's just a coincidence. Maybe, Maybe your mom had a gigantic crush on Robert Wagner, though. You never know. Could be, you if know. that's the case, my dad doesn't know. I don't think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you should you should ask Bobby. This is important stuff to know. Yeah, I'll report yeah, back ask. on our Friday yeah, show. Yes, please, it'd, it'd be
1: the age range. You know what I mean? Uh, like my, my I remember my mom loved. My mom still watches like Tom Selleck shows. My mom still loves Tom Selleck. You know I, mean? I, I asked her the other day. I said, like, "What were you watching?" She said, "Magnum P.I." And I was like, "What? <laughs> Magnum P.I. came out like a hundred years ago." Uh, all right, next story. Bojan Bogdanovic is undergoing season-ending surgery on his wrist. Um, of course, we know the Utah Jazz, a Western Conference playoff contender. Bogdanovic is going to undergo surgery today, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, to repair a uh, ligament in his right wrist. He injured the wrist in late 2019, then played in considerable discomfort decision to have surgery gives Bogdanovich a chance to fully recover in anticipation of the start of next season. And so look, this was already going to be a team that people were paying very close attention to given the incredible fracture that is inevitable in the locker room and all the stories about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and the, the, you know, the rift between them after the way it all went down with the coronavirus pandemic at the very beginning. Um, Utah, like, look, they don't have enough without Bogdanovich. You know, I like, I know this is a story in the middle of a pandemic where sports news isn't that big, but they would absolutely be a very dangerous team if you get Conley playing really well uh, along with Mitchell. That's a, that can be a devastating backcourt. And then with those wing guys, now I'd imagine they'll just put Joe Ingles back, you know, do his, place in the starting lineup and they'll be fine. But I do think they probably went from their ceiling is significantly lower, right? If it's a team that you could foresee maybe coming out of what could be a weird playoff season anyway in the West, I I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's possible without Bogdanovich Kev.
0: He's an important player, man. You know, you think about, first of all, like just basically he's a 20 point per game scorer that they're losing. Uh, Number one, just so you can look at that basic stat. But number two, just his versatility on the court for that team with the size he provides at six foot eight. He's not a lockdown defender, but with his switchability at that size to hang around with quicker guys on the perimeter, or he can, you know, defend some bigger, stronger guys inside. And then on offense, you can use him any way you need to. You can run him as a pick and roll ball handler. You can run him, or, run him around screens. You can use him as a spot up shooter. He's a versatile scorer for that team and it shows them the numbers how much worse they are without him. Uh, Gobert Mitchell and Bogdanovich that trio when those three guys are on the court they've played over 1400 minutes together those guys play a lot together and they outscore teams by seven points per 100 possessions you pull Bogdanovich out of that lineup with just Mitchell and Gobert they get outscored by eight points per 100 possessions and this is a small sample size here of course of only 150 minutes with just two of those three but the fact is is that it really shows Again, just his versatility on both ends of the floor and and the importance of that team and where he was being replaced was with Ingles, as you said, but also with Mike Conley, who has really struggled this year. Conley, of course, he's a smaller player. He's a point guard, but he can take on some of that versatility on the offensive end with the playmaking ability, with the off-ball scoring ability, and some on-ball scoring, too. So Conley is really going to need to be Mike Conley if games are come back this summer, because uh, without Bogdanovich, it severely limits their chances of making any noise in the playoffs.
1: It's fascinating, too, that like, he's doing it now. They played through the discomfort, and I guess you know they probably just got to the point where it was like, okay, if you don't get it done now, we're not going to get you back for next season at the beginning. And so given the way everything is still in flux, let's just go ahead and make the decision and get you ready for next year.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I believe uh, Woj did report that during workouts uh, that the injury was reaggravated. So maybe yeah. at one point it seemed like he would be fine, um, but then right. uh, it got worse.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Jazz also lost someone out of their front office. Um Sham Sharania reported the Knicks are finalizing hiring Jazz Vice President of Player Personnel Walt Perrin as Assistant General Manager as they reshuffle front office under Leon Rose. Perrin is a well-respected executive who has worked in the Jazz organization for 19 years. Upon this news last night, Donovan Mitchell tweeted out, gonna miss my guy Walt, real happy for him, deserves this opportunity, definitely gonna miss him. So look, I mean, you can't get any, I, you don't see a ton of players speaking out for general managers or somebody that leads the organization. It's not all that common. And yet here's obviously a guy that made an impact in the first two years of Donovan Mitchell's career. The Donovan Mitchell, you know, felt motivated to, you know, talk about how much he would miss him. Um, this is what I talked about when, when they, when those guys got the job and you knew that you know Leon Rose and inevitably William Wesley um Worldwide West would would be there to help running the Knicks and that you know as long as they were as long as you get some guys with some institutional knowledge those guys are always um very very valuable get some guys with some institutional knowledge about the NBA the way it works old relationships this kind of stuff then now that's how you put together a front office. I think if you are, if you're new guys, um, and, and have not done it before, because there's certainly going to be questions and a lot of things you haven't been through before. And so having somebody with 19 years of experience that's held in very high regard, I, I've got to believe this is just a, a very good get. You know, I've, I've been, I've been very optimistic towards the Knicks, Kevin. And cause oh, me too, you know, I've, I've, no, I mean, I've told you, I've known, <laughs> Uh, you know, Leon Rose, I've been around him a lot over the years. Um, he, he was around, he was omnipresent around Calipari's, uh, Memphis Tigers teams, um, as was worldwide West and especially during the Derrick Rose, uh, run. Um, and then after that, like, I mean, I told you he was in my hotel room just this past summer with Jonas Valanciunas. He, he represents him, um, or did. Right Nor before did, he took yeah. this job, <laughs> uh he also represented o j mayo when o j uh was here in Memphis, and so um I'm not going to act like we're friends, but I do know him um and have been around him, and I know a lot of people that do know him, and I just like this guy knows players, and this guy has a way with words he's a charming guy uh you know can also be the no nonsense guy, which is good for new york, and I think between him and world wide West and you get some established guys around him. I, I think there's real reason for hope. I do. I do. I think there's real reason for hope. It's going to take a while and you know that's not a place where it's easy to take a while to do anything. Um but I think with some patience I I think I'd bet on him. I do. I think I bet on him.
0: God, um, I bet on the next two. They have Frank Nilakina on their team.
1: Oh, for God's sakes! That's a that'll be the first move. <laughs> that'll be <I'm> the just, <laughs> first move. Get him out. I'm,
0: I'm just kidding about that. Even though I like Frank, Frank Nilakina a lot, you know, we've discussed back and forth quite a bit the past year with the Knicks. They do have quite a bit of assets. Uh, granted, they gave up Chris Tab They do have the two first round picks from Dallas. They have other young talent on the on the team. Granted, some of it is underdeveloped or or disappointing so far, like Kevin Knox hasn't reached expectations, but they do have young talent nonetheless. RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Frank Nilakina, and so on. And so for this Knicks team, having Leon Rose, and granted uh Worldwide West isn't technically Part of the Knicks front office, uh, Adam Zagoria from Forbes did report at the time in February when this hire or whatever it was was announced or, or was reported that he did say that uh, World Wide West will be intimately involved with the Knicks, considering the close relationship that Rose and Wes have had for many decades now. And, you know, if that's the case, of course, World Wide West, you know, will be recruiting players to the Knicks, and and for for this Knicks team, I mean, it all starts, like I said, this would have been draft lottery night, and we would have seen the Knicks, who have the sixth best, currently have the sixth best lottery odds at 37% of getting into the top four, 9% of getting number one overall. It would be fascinating to see whether they end up number one or or they stay at number six, what this team ends up doing, because you can look at their roster, and really, they need anything. Like Just taking R.J. Barrett one, wouldn't preclude them from taking another potential primary ball handler like a LaMelo ball, like an Anthony Edwards. But for this team, I, I'm especially interested if they stay at six, because I still think that might be the best range for getting a, uh, a guy on a fair value contract. It'd be less money than the number one pick, uh, which would a lot, would make it easier to sign a guy by retaining cap space in the future. And today on the ringer, we put up our new mock draft and we did the lottery uh i did the picks for the top 14 teams and for the knicks i gave them tyrese halliburton uh, a sophomore guard from iowa state and he's also for what it's worth a caa client clients which is where leon rose is coming from caa uh, that did factor into my decision and putting them there but from a basketball perspective uh, Halliburton would be a high IQ guy that could really come in and help run the show there, which whether they add stars in the near future or not through free agency or trade, he's the type of guy that I would hope the Knicks with their new look front office would look for in the draft this year.
1: Well, I could tell you this, uh, going back to just the West thing very quickly, uh, you know, if you're talking about h- how do you get players to want to be someplace, there there's very few people in the world i would rather have in a meeting trying to convince a player to come play in new york than worldwide west this guy is the most connected guy ever and like i told you he was he was around and the only time i can remember this is a great story actually i'm going to tie it into our next subject so how about this so Wes west and, uh, and leon rose are like the uh, thickest thieves with uh, calipari right and so uh, the Brother of Derek Rose, Reggie Rose, was always around. Like he was just here the entire season in the o- the O eight season when Memphis made it to the final game against Kansas. And so I think everybody had this expectation that when Derek Rose leaves school, he's gonna he's gonna be with West. He's gonna be with uh, with Leon Rose, right? That like you could they could kind of trust Cal Perry to keep all of the agents and all the people away. And then when it came time to go to the NBA, that he would go. And then he didn't. He didn't sign there. And I don't think it was because anybody thought that they were going to look into it or that anything nefarious went on. Um, But the story went that the brother, Reggie, who was like riding on team planes and whatever, which was NCAA violations and they had to take their banner down because of it, for God's sakes. Um, But the brother, he was like going back to Chicago every once in a while. And guess who got his hooks in the brother and ended up signing him? Wait for it. B.J.
0: Armstrong. Ooh, interesting. How
1: about that? And so that's where he signed, coming out of college. Derek, he signed with B.J. Armstrong and their group um, because B.J. Armstrong was, I guess, you know, he had gotten his hooks in the brother when he was going back to Chicago. I mean, it was was crazy because everybody thought Derek was going to be with Leon and Wes. For sure. For sure. And uh, but those guys, I mean, like they talent evaluation, getting things done. Those guys are they're smart guys, man. And they are they're big time in the basketball world. And World Wide West is like, no, I mean, he has got the most unbelievable life ever. Like nobody really knows anything. <laughs> People have tried to write stories about him and whatever else. And it's like you'll see him on the sidelines of a Monday night football game. And then the next night you know, sitting on the front row at the national championship with Jay-Z and Beyonce or something. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> this guy is so well connected. It's the damnedest thing. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, and now they hire some guy that's a, you know, got 19 years experience and is very highly regarded from the jazz. I say, good job by uh, Leon and West. there in New York. Um, you know,
0: and I think the Knicks are a good example of a team Um it's like you and I have gone back and forth a lot about, you know, teams that should blow it up. Some of the bad teams in the league right now, Knicks are 21 and 45. It's hard not to feel somewhat optimistic about some of these bad teams and the Knicks, despite the fact that it's been uh, decades now of sadness and losing and disappointment right now, the place the team is in, you have to feel a little bit good. Granted this summer, it's going to be pivotal for them and the types of moves that they make. And by the way, you know, with Chris Paul potentially being a looming possibility, that could be one of those decisions that they make this summer. If they were to make a big trade, and that could be a lure for future free agents. But with everything that's going on with the coronavirus pandemic, that throws a wrench in a potential plan like that because we just don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap. And so that could be the type of thing that for the Knicks and some of these other teams that had big plans in the offseason whether trade or free agency it might hurt that optimism moving forward for these teams that are just start trying to dig their way out of the bottom of the barrel.
1: Yeah, and also a great reason to have somebody with some institutional knowledge uh yes, in the NBA. Exactly. And uh, you know and and you know very well I see it. Um, in my local market all the time because you know Zach Kleiman, who's the youngest general manager in the league. Um, but they hired Glenn Grunwald, who coincidentally, uh, coincidentally uh, helped the, the Knicks to great success when they last had some great success. Uh, Glenn Grunwald, uh, part of the organization, Rich Cho, who was longtime general manager in Charlotte, uh, plays a role with analytics and uh, and cap. And so like you get these guys. If you're going to be just coming into it, For your first time, get guys that have been around it for a long time to be able to help help you with all your questions that you have about this and that and the way things work. And so that's why I think there's a there's a real wisdom in doing that rather than just like, oh, yeah, we can do this because there are, you know, look, it's like any job, right? There's just some things that you only learn with experience and certainly relationships you only get with experience.
0: Sure. You know, and with. James Dolan obviously has his flaws as an owner. There are many of them. Uh, But the one thing I will say is that he typically has done a good job of letting his front office make basketball decisions. He has kept his hands off. Which is unlike other owners who are, you know, steering what they do with a draft pick or what they do with a trade. Uh there's, you know, the story or, or last week, Doc Rivers said Donald Sterling said he doesn't like white players and they almost didn't sign JJ Reddick. You know, there you see Tillman Fertitta kind of meddling with some of the things that the Houston Rockets do, or the amount of money that they spend, fear of going into the luxury tax. It, there's situations like this extreme or having to do with money that affect the organization as a whole. And Dolan does that in other ways with his treatment of fans, the reaction to to media and all that, which has been discussed plenty. But the one thing that gives me some optimism for the Knicks is that he typically lets his front office do what they want. And in the past that hasn't worked because of poor hiring, but with what they have right now, seems to be a good team and if that team is allowed to do with what they want that should bode well for the knicks moving forward hey chris before we move on we have to hear from today's sponsors today's ringer nba show is brought to you by scott's do you know what's more attainable than your favorite team landing a top free agent this summer a healthy thick green lawn of course Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn has everything you need to turn your lawn into the thick, green paradise that you deserve. With its 3 in 1 solution, you can get up to a 50% thicker lawn with just one application. The solution consists of seeds to fill in gaps, soil improver for enhanced root development, and fertilizer to feed and thicken new grass. With Scott's Turf Builder Thicker Lawn, you can finally get the thickest, greenest lawn you've always dreamt of. Also, with Scott's No Quibble Money Back Guarantee, if you're not satisfied, you get your money back. Get thicker quicker and grab a bag today. Make your yard a Scott's yard. Today's episode of The Mismatch is also brought to you by Roman. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs, but getting started can be quite overwhelming. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized prescription skincare that really performs. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment based on your skin type and priorities. You'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor if you need to make a change to your treatment or have any questions at all. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. Go to GetRoman.com slash nba for a free online visit and start your new skincare routine today. That's GetRoman.com slash nba. Eligibility requirements and additional terms do apply. And now, back to the mismatch.
1: Okay, so I mentioned B.J. Armstrong a couple of minutes ago, unrelated to the last dance, but he was one of the portions of the last dance that we saw. Um, it all concluded on Sunday night with episodes 9 and 10. We have been talking our way through this as the weeks have gone on. Um, it was five incredible weeks of television. Um, oh, I was, yeah. I, I absolutely... Yeah loved it and if they made 10 more episodes i'd watch i'd watch as (laughs) many episodes as you could make of this i'd watch Um,
0: michael jordan sitting there reacting to what other people say for two hours oh
1: for sure i mean look last night i checked twitter before i went to bed and there were like i had tons on my timeline of people like uh putting different songs to the to the headphones that he was wearing did you see these there's like a meme oh going around goodness, with all as the soon, different songs to the head, as that soon are in the as soon as that
0: as soon as that aired on tv i was like this is going to become a meme a hundred percent a hundred percent we've all had that moment yes. we've all had a moment just like jordan did
1: <laughs> yeah some uh, some du- some dude said to me some dude said to me last night i don't know if you saw it that uh it would say Chris Vardu, uh when Kevin O'Connor uh, mentions Larry Nance at the three for the five millionth time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah. uh, actually, I I would love if some of our listeners would overdub like a, a fun part of us arguing and Mike, uh, to Michael Jordan just kind of being giddy, <laughs> listening to the show. <laughs>
1: hey, I, I gotta tell you, um, I went and listened to the song that was. You know, I saw Kenny Lattimore tweet out, you know, what he had sent him and what the song was, and it's more shocking than many of the, uh, to me, than many of the other. I I, I don't know. I don't know what I thought Michael Jordan would be listening to. I really don't. Like, I guess nothing should surprise me, but it was like, this guy's like a slow jam guy. He said they were friends, right? But it was like a. I didn't know I did not know Kenny Lattimore before that. There's no I bet I bet he's had more sales the the last five days than he's had in twenty years.
0: Seriously. It, it was it was days like this. Yeah, correct? that's right. That was the song. Right. And Kenny Lattimore himself tweeted that out, confirming it, oh, I mean, that all he I'm sent him an is, early version of it. That
1: ain't that ain't exactly like a uh I don't know. That's not a song I was he coming from practice? He was going to the game, wasn't he? It felt yeah, like one or it was the other, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one, it yeah
0: before it was before tip-off. I yeah. think it was 5 5 or 6 hours before tip-off.
1: Yeah, right. That's not I don't know. That wouldn't be in my pump me up playlist, but
0: sometimes maybe, you just want to chill out.
1: Maybe so. Sometimes Sometimes you don't need a, to hey, be
0: pumped up. You need pr- to be chilled out, man.
1: No, it's probably good for him. He didn't the last thing he needed was an edge. You know what I mean? He's already he's already pretty high strong. <laughs> Do you think, hey, you know what? So, I don't know if he nipped this in the bud at the beginning of this by saying, you know, that basically he thought people were going to like him less because of this, or that people were going to think something of him because of this. Now, do you think, knowing that as a precursor and that he said that, that I have not seen one person react that they (laughs) liked Michael Jordan less after watching The Last Dance? And in fact, the complete opposite was true, right?
0: No kidding. What is he talking about? Yeah, I don't the know. People wouldn't thinking. like. I mean, come on. I was kept waiting. I kept waiting and waiting for the moment. When am I going to hate MJ? When am I going to well, hate? Yeah, him? No, no, ever but, came. Well, I just because I kept probably, liking him more and more.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, because they took out probably all the parts that yeah, would really I, make you hate it. Uh,
0: you know? I don't. Yeah, maybe they. I'm sure certain moments weren't put in there. Uh, but with that said, they did get into the stuff that we've been discussing each week, the conspiracy theories. They got into the ga- the gambling conspiracy. They got into yeah. uh, what happened with his father. They got into a lot of the negatives surrounding him. They got into the treatment of some of his teammates and the perception of how he was with his teammates. They got into the disconnect. I mean, dude, in episode nine, I was crying while Steve Kerr was talking about his dad and thinking to myself, like, you know, Far different stories, but you know, losing my dad, you know, in February, just how hard that is, and then for him to say that him and MJ never even discussed it, yeah, the fact that each of their fathers were were murdered, mm-hmm. and that was shocking to me. And I it was really, I didn't really know was that sto- story. Did you? I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that they didn't. I knew Steve Kerr's father's story, um, but I didn't. I didn't know, and I wouldn't have expected that Kerr and Jordan never even discussed it and you know granted it's uncomfortable for people to talk about things i'm a bit shocked that uh two teammates that spend so much time together didn't talk about something like that and it it, to me it, it stood as an example of the disconnect michael jordan felt from the rest of his team and you know they they touched on this at the end when phil jackson did that ritual where they all wrote something down and mj wrote a poem um And they all burnt that. And and that was a moment that his teammates saw his emotions. They saw the connection with the teammates. Uh, We didn't hear the poem necessarily, but we heard about it. And uh, it's just interesting to me the type of person he was. I wonder if he was almost too big of a star at the time that it was almost impossible for him to connect uh, with his quote-unquote normal teammates.
1: Yeah, I also think like you are you you are you are very good at uh talking about things expressing yourself um you don't mind you know a stranger knowing you know what's going on with maybe even sometimes your most personal business and that kind of stuff and 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 i i I told you like there was there uh, through through everything that you went through over the course of the last year and me witnessing it and how much good you brought to the table and 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 making people have the courage to be able to talk about this stuff um that that was something that i that i envied and so i kind of relate to the other side more again that maybe this is why this is the mismatch i was the one that when when the devastating moment in my life i didn't talk to anybody i didn't i held it all in and it's hard to do that i mean it is hard right um and i probably should have i probably should have um but i didn't i was one of those i didn't want to put anybody else's grief I I don't want people worrying about me. I, I I constantly want people to be happy. I'm trying to cheer them up or trying to make them laugh or whatever. And so that's my my personality. And I didn't, I I never talked to anybody. Honestly, I didn't. I just held it all in. And, Unless
0: your name is Brian with an O. Yeah, right. Then, and I, then it's off the table. <laughs> yes,
1: and then I would have, I, and then I would have told him. I would confide in you my feelings my deepest feelings but your name is spelled so stupidly that I cannot <laughs> if in the case that I had a friend named Brian um, <laughs> no but I mean I, so I get it I get Michael Jordan not talking about it right I mm-hmm. do I get that because well, uh, well you, and also
0: I, you also didn't like Brian Russell so <laughs> you and MJ yeah. have that in common <laughs>
1: yeah right we get <laughs> maybe that's where I got it from Right, um, okay, couple things though that I do want to say, uh, look, these guys did an unbelievable job putting this together, and I was listening to Simmons and Rossillo talk about this and the the grand challenges of even putting together episodes nine and ten. There were a couple of things though that when you watch them, that I wish would have been different, and I know some of that is beyond their control. I felt like we got a lot less of the Utah side of anything than we did with a lot of the other, you know, I felt like we heard a lot. Like, and some of that was the good personalities, Isaiah Thomas and Reggie Miller um, and other people that were involved in those games and were on the other side of those games, um, even even some Nick stuff with um, the people that did speak. But the Jazz, I mean, the only guy we heard from at all, and that's a team that played them twice in the finals. The only guy was John Stockton, who is boring as all hell. And that was it. So, like, there wasn't, like, there, there, I, I get it. It's a Jordan documentary. But in order to shape it, I thought it was always better when, and I, I, I would imagine they probably asked Jerry Sloan, they asked Karl Malone, they asked uh, Brian Russell. They probably <laughs> asked, they probably asked uh, you know, a bunch of guys and And nobody did it, right, but Stockton being the only one, and stockton being i mean let's just be fair, he's the lamest interview ever, like you know uh that that was that one I thought hurt the you know the 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 lack of being able to fully shape that and and kind of get the other side's angle a little more um that one i i, I that was something I wished. And then the whole presentation of the, you know, where it makes it sound like Jerry Krause is a piece of crap and the only reason, and he's the reason they didn't run it back and whatever else. Uh, and then Michael Jordan saying, you know, I wish we could have run it back and whatever. Like there are so many obvious like details involved in that that, Twenty-two later, twenty-two years later, it's a little simple. I would one hundred percent argue like what you shouldn't have done is, you know, piss off your coach so bad and have that bad of a relationship that it was ever called the last dance in the first place. But after that entire year and Bill Jackson not wanting to be a part of it, and the whole like we cannot accept that Scottie Pippen would have signed there. Scottie Pippen didn't even want to play that last year. He was so mad about how grossly underpaid he was. And so now you're telling me you're gonna go back to him and say, hey, you can make 70 million in Houston or sign a one-year deal for $14 million? When we've already established that the guy was underpaid and he had this fear of it could all be taken away from him because of what happened to his father and what happened to his brother. I mean, for God's sakes, he grew up with two people in wheelchairs in his house. You think that guy's gonna, who was already angry? was going to sit down and say, okay, I'll run it back for one more year for a $14 million deal. Like, no way. Like, keeping that team together was not as, I feel, as easy as it was presented by Michael at the end of that. And I think that's probably, with Jerry Krause being dead, you know, I don't know, you probably could have gotten the other side of that. And Jerry Reinsdorf just playing dumb just made me want to puke. I mean, it made me want to puke. Because, like, he let this guy get run over with a truck in this documentary. And I, if I know anything, it's that in the end, trust me, the owner makes the calls. The owner makes the calls. There was nothing that that guy didn't sign off on. And so to then just put it at Jerry Krause's feet is bullshit to me.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, and that's another example of when owner meddling affects front office decision-making Jerry Krause, you know, Obviously had his flaws with, you know, the ego, with the jealousy aspect, but he was a sensational general manager in assembling that team. And w- certainly one of the main reasons, as Reinsdorf did allude to with his statement, was the amount of money required to pay those guys. But that wouldn't but but it's worth the investment. Was it really worth the $25, $30 million in luxury tax to blow that up? Hell no, of course not. It was not. It was a poor poor investment to to blow that up and to save any money that you did. You haven't won since then. Um, this team, as Jordan mentioned, missed an opportunity to win a seventh championship. Even, ha- even if they lost Pippen, even if they lost him, they still had a stellar roster. Maybe it wouldn't have won a seventh championship, a fourth in a row, but they would have been in it they still would have been in the conversation just like they were for the two years that it was Pippen without Jordan. They would have been in it. And not to mention there's always a possibility of hitting on a draft pick or getting a replacement player and a cheaper deal that was able to do some of the things that Scotty did, or maybe to Tony Kukoc steps up in other ways next to Michael Jordan. We don't know, obviously, um, but ultimately, you know, I think the documentary did a fine job overall of presenting Krauss. I I think it was perceived of them making him the victim, but I felt, you know, bad for him in some ways just the way he was treated too early on. There's a little bit of bullying, uh, with the way he was treated for, you know, looking the way he did, for being short the way he was, for being just the person that he was. Um and I kind of, you know, watched that and understood the challenges that he was sort of navigating um, as a person working in, in a situation under such high pressure. Um, but, you know, the fact is, is he was perceived as the villain when really, as you just mentioned, Reinsdorf is still the guy. He's who's the making guy. the final call? Yes, he's the and, one. And, and look, who, he's the one. He's the one who cheaped out in the end, not Jerry Krause.
1: And this is what he says: Like, I don't know if you saw this article with Ramona Shelburne yesterday, but she went and interviewed him. He said he's watched every episode of the documentary twice to try to see if there was something that he, you know, just didn't catch. And I guess, shut up, bro. Like, enough. Like, Ryan, the other thing. Ryan's
0: door, Ryan's yes. door said
1: that. Yeah. That's what he said, yes. And then he says that, uh, as he's going on, he says, um, you know, he went to Phil's uh, house, tried to convince him to come back. So he is, at that point, usurping this guy that he wants to convince you has all this authority in Jerry Krause. He's going <laughs> and saying, Phil, come back. Phil says, it's time. It's time. Like, bro, why didn't you just say that in the documentary? Say, I went to Phil, I tried to get him to back, and he said he ain't coming back, right? Now, maybe he did, and I forgot that, that part, but it was just so overwhelmed by the Jordan sob story of, I don't know why we didn't do it, and I never talked to Jerry about it, and whatever else, and it's like, wait, hold on now. Let's not do total revisionist history on this. The other thing is, is that Reinsdorf mentions, a- again, he mentions this in the story with Ramona Shelburne. Now, maybe it was cut out, or maybe he didn't say it to directors. He said, what people don't remember about this? He said, A, I went and tried to get Phil to come back, and he said no. B, it was the shortened season because of the lockout, and Michael Jordan cut his finger with a cigar cutter and had to have surgery. He wouldn't have played that season anyway. To which what Jordan said? Now tell me if you believe this. I wouldn't have been playing a playing with a cigar cutter if everybody was ready to run it back. Like what? Come on. <laughs> like
0: it's, it's, I swear to
1: God. I swear to God, that's what Jordan said. He would not have been playing around with the cigar cutter if if Phil Jackson would have been signed up to coach the team. Like, come on, dude. Like, come on. I get you creating whatever story you want to create, but like the fact that you say you wouldn't have cut your finger if Phil Jackson was gonna be the coach is outrageous
0: well, michael jordan says i wouldn't have been playing around with a cigar cutter as he inhales from a cigar hanging yes. out of his mouth
1: yes <laughs> i mean it's just ridiculous
0: but, right? but a- you know the, and by the way though like I, I don't i don't know 20 years ago the severity of that injury if it would have knocked him out for the season but based off other finger injuries my guess is jordan would have had some type some type of st- Sent on, sent on there, and he would have played through the injury and changed the way he shot the ball for some period of time. That, or, 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 probably,
1: or probably would have done like, uh, who was the the famous safety for the 49ers? Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott, yeah. like he just cut <laughs> off his finger. <laughs> Ronnie Lott just cut off his finger. That's what that's what Jordan <laughs> would have done. Just cut it off. I mean, dependent on the finger. I don't know which one. Right? You can't lose your thumb.
0: And by the, by the, And by the way, I mean, for the Chicago Bulls, a team that just won 6 out of 8 championship, there's no logic to end things and to blow that team up. There's none, zero, zippo. Um, but there is logic as we see, you know, with the current present-day Golden State Warriors to at least take a a forward look at what should be done in the in the near future you know Scotty Pippen being 33 entering the 98 99 season maybe it is okay to have some hesitation to give him that big long term contract depending on what you know about his health he was suffering through that major back injury uh maybe there are reasons for you to feel like you know what we'll bring everybody but Scotty back um but ultimately after winning three uh your your repeat threepeat There's no, you know, logic considering the context, but it's fine for them at least to consider those things. It's just unfortunate that it was purely for financial reasons up and down the roster and it ended up turning into what it was losing Phil, losing Michael, losing Scotty, losing absolutely everybody on that damn team. Um, But taking a forward look inherently isn't necessarily a mistake. It just sucks. It happened the way it did.
1: All right. Last thing. And we will end with this. So I lived through all of it. And obviously, you know how high of regard I have for Michael Jordan. And one of the things you have stated regularly is like, you didn't get to live through all of the Jordan stuff, right? When you talk about uh, current players, I will ask you, Kevin, after watching the last dance and a 10 part docu series on Michael Jordan, how have your views about Jordan changed? If at all,
0: not a lot, uh, I I would, I would say the main thing is well. First of all, the documentary did a great job of of humanizing him. You know, this you know figure that you know I was young when he was in his prime. I mean, I obviously knew who Michael Jordan was and how incredible he was as a young kid watching basketball. But you really did humanize that person uh, for me, and more more than anything else that I've seen or read about him in the past. Um, But I I would say for me, you know, the documentary did a really, really stellar job of just showing how extreme of a high level competitor that he was, you know, even just after defeating the Pacers and he's talking trash to Larry Bird, who was coaching at the time, and then drives off in his car with the air license plate. A little moment like that, um, talking trash with Larry Bird, the. The practice stuff, you know, end of episode seven, um, when he got emotional and needed to take the break, talking about his style of really motivating his team. I'm not saying that that's the best way to be a competitor or the best way to be a leader, nor am I saying it is the wrong way or, or, you know, there's better ways at all. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that he was undeniably one of the greatest competitors that we've ever seen. and. To see some of the behind the scenes footage of that, to see the way some of his contemporaries, teammates, and opponents talk about him uh really did illustrate the type and level of competitor that he is in a way that I all have always understood um but now have a deeper understanding of more than ever before.
1: I have wondered in closing here, I have wondered after I got done one of the thoughts that went through my mind is. How many of these guys, because you know the entire NBA was watching this, How I, I almost felt bad for like role players, rookies, mediocre guys on some of these teams because you know there is going to be a select group of stars that come back just being absolute raging tyrants. You know what I mean? Like they watch this and they're going to, they're, they're going to conduct themselves in a different way. There's no doubt in my mind. There could be a lot more Jimmy Butlers in the league after they all watch the last dance. That's what I'll or say. Ka-
0: or Kyrie Irving, who you know learned from Kobe, who learned right. from Michael. You know, right. um, no, I mean, look, it, like I said, it's not necessarily the right or wrong way, uh, as as they say, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and ultimately, it's sort of that type of no. The lesson is here.
1: you have to win, you have
0: yeah, to you, win, yes,
1: or else ha- everybody hates you.
0: the way it goes. Have, You you have to win, but you know, in terms of like uh, vocalizing your concerns and your thoughts, it can come off as the way it did for Michael Jordan or as the way it did for Kobe Bryant. Um, but in a winning atmosphere from a player who is of that caliber, who should and has the capabilities to do that, it can be effective. But to your point, there's gonna be guys who come back with that type of mentality who aren't at the level that should be doing that. No, and it it, will be de- it'll be detrimental to their teams.
1: That's why you saw a million, you know, uh, uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban impersonators. You know what I mean? Like guys that coach yeah, there, yeah. and then they yep. go off and like, bro, you don't get to be a dick to the media and you don't get to act any kind of way. Like you got to win. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they can do whatever the hell they want because they win like hell. But if you don't, you can't just act any kind of way towards people. You know, that's the, that's the trade-off, right? Or else everybody's going to turn on you. Um, and he never gave anybody a reason to turn on him because he won. Every time they got to an NBA Finals, they won. And so they, uh, they ended up, a lot of guys ended up with rings, and a lot of guys ended up without rings because of Jordan. Kevin, uh, give everybody that email address because uh, we'll do another mailbag on Friday. So where do they need to send their questions?
0: So send your questions to NBA Mailbag at gmail.com. Send us anything basketball related. We're going to obviously going to answer those, but anything about life or whatever's on your mind uh, and we'll uh, sort through those Bobby Wagner, uh, our trusted producer will sort through those and we'll pick out the best ones and answer those on Friday and do those over the coming weeks as well.
1: All right, everybody have a very safe week. Uh, Stay safe out there. Uh, Give us a rating and review. If you get a chance, five stars, five stars, it really helps. And we will talk to you on Friday.